Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. This is a weekend video for the week ending March 5, 2021. You're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, there's a lot on the docket, obviously. The market was looking into the abyss in the morning on Friday, and then by the end of the day, they rallied it all the way back to what? 384. Closing at 383.63, they tried to rally it to close above 384. They couldn't do it. Now, how do you know 384 is important? We're going to go over that. And I've mentioned this before. It's not that 384 to an exact penny is the important number to the penny. We don't necessarily know that. However, this is where I get that zone from. So the market rallies up to this spot over here, right? Right here, it rallies up, and it can't get through that general area around 384, and it falls away. Okay, fair enough. That's a concept. Now let's look a little bit deeper. We'll peel back the onion and look at the numbers. The closing price on this day, 383.89. Closing price on this day, 384.24. This day fell away a little bit. This day closes at 384.39, and this day slightly below at 383.79. So I'm coming up with it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 384, plus or minus a few cents. I think we can all agree that that's rational thinking. I'm not looking at something somebody else wrote. I'm not looking at somebody else's chart. I'm not opening up a book and saying, here are the rules. I'm just looking at what the market did, and I'm saying, based on what the market actually did, and we know that the market is trying to tell us something all the time. We can't always decipher what it is, but it's trying to tell us something. So if you believe in that concept, then you can believe in 384 has to be somewhat important. Now, you go above 384 on the breakout, and now you're coming back, and they've been fighting that price level in and around there. Now, they've had deep retracements, and they've had deep spikes over it, but it always seems to pivot or center around 384. Now, over the last couple of trading sessions, the evidence builds. Here, the high of day, 384. Those of you inside the numbers remember that. That was the opening print. Right at 9.30, they run the market right up to 384 and fail. That was on the front side of the tape. On the back side of the tape on Friday, they run the market up to 384 all the way from the abyss early in the morning. It was a tremendous rally. It was a reversal. We'll get to that also in a moment. But let's just stay with 384 is important. So they close below 384. And what I've been saying is it really doesn't relate to the daily as much as it does, at least from where I sit, if we close below it on a weekly basis, it's more meaningful. Well, guess what? We closed below it by a hair. We closed below it the previous week. Just as a refresher, here's the weekly chart. Last week, they closed below it. This week, the weekly closed 383.63. And that doesn't mean that they can't pop the market back up just like they did last week above that number. 
The weekly close is more important than the daily close. Speaking of popping the market back up, I've got a couple of other things. So A, it was a reversal. It's a big tail candle. Can we see follow through into early next week? The answer is of course we can. The whole thing, at least from where I sit, can be interpreted two ways. A, they tried to make a last ditch effort to get back above 384 and they couldn't do it. And we'll see what happens when the futures open Sunday night. The other way, right, you have to play umpire. We're calling balls and strikes. The other way is the market was down and it was into or looking into the abyss and they reversed the market on Friday on some volume. So you can look at here and say it wasn't quite as much volume as the day before on the down day, but it was pretty good volume on the up day. We're going to get deeper into the volume in a second, though. But you can say, since the market reversed, it put in a tail candle. If we see some follow-through on Monday, you can see several days of follow-through, sideways, higher, both. You can see the market trade up into and even above the 20-period moving average. Absolutely, there's no reason you can't do that. Let me address something else. We're looking now at a shorter time frame because I want to focus on the volume. So let's just identify where the day begins. So Friday begins right at the vertical. And you can see here the market trades down on pretty decent volume. If you look here and you say, all right, what's pretty decent volume? In the first candle of the day, the volume happened to be about 6 million shares. That's in a 15-minute candle. So just as a point of reference, you can see as the market came down, the volume remained pretty heavy. It was not really picking up up until really the last candle that bottomed was a little bit higher than the previous candle, but not a bottoming spike, not capitulation, nothing like that. It was actually more of a decreasing volume on the way down. And then what I really wanted to point out was you really didn't have much of increasing volume on the way back up. So what we do know is we really didn't have robust institutional participation driving this market back up to 384 or above. And interestingly enough, in the last candle of the day, we had the heaviest volume candle of the day. Now that in and of itself isn't necessarily an anomaly. That's kind of typical. However, what you'll notice is it was a down candle and it was on really heavy, heavy volume as compared to the rest of the day. Now, here's again the last candle of the day. So you can see that's not an anomaly. That happens all the time. 10, 11, 12 million shares into the end of the day is not out of the ordinary. It was a down candle trading away from 384. So if I'm just observing, that's my observation that the move away in the southern direction, away from 384, was the heavy volume. Just of note, for me, I'm a believer in 384. All right, back to the daily chart. I don't think we're finished with the daily chart yet. I want to point something else out. I'm not a big fan or necessarily an advocate of head and shoulders patterns. However, I think this is worth noting. This can be a head and shoulders pattern. You have a left shoulder, you have a head, and you have a right shoulder here. It's kind of sloppy, but it is a right shoulder that broke below the neckline. So it's interesting to note. However, we're not done yet. We can say based on this particular diagram that the market is rallying back to retest the neckline. That's a fair assessment if in fact that is a valid head and shoulders pattern. But 
There's always other stuff, right? After all, again, we have to play umpire calling balls and strikes. So what if I wipe this line off? Now, let's get a fresh look, and we take the line off that created the head and shoulders in our minds, and we look at it a different way. What if I say that the same head and shoulders pattern exists, only that's the neckline versus where we had it before? Now you can compare and contrast. In one diagram, the market's rallying back to challenge the neckline. In the second diagram, the market already recaptured the neckline, creating a failure of a head and shoulders pattern. Now let's say that was a failure of a head and shoulders pattern. What would happen? The market would continue higher. What happens if there is no head and shoulders pattern? Then the market's going to do what it's going to do either way. Well, that's going to happen either way. It's just one way to look at what the market is doing. And by the way, what happens if it is a bona fide head and shoulders pattern? What would the target be on the downside? Right there. There's your target, and it's a gap. It would fill a gap and complete the head and shoulders target if, in fact, that was a bona fide head and shoulders pattern. Next topic, can the market make new highs? Anything is possible. My opinion, and this is just an opinion, it's not from a technical perspective, my opinion is that it won't. Doesn't matter what my opinion is, the market's going to do what it's going to do, but it brings me to another topic or a subtopic, which is the email indicator. After the rally on Friday afternoon, I can't tell you the volume of emails that came in asking if we're going to see new highs, was that the bottom, is the correction over, blah, 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 all that stuff. Let me answer it like this. Those were the same emails that came in right there. Market goes up, the market goes down. How many times have I said large swings in both directions? I say it every single day inside the numbers. This is normal garden variety corrective market behavior. What do we see when we look at the weekly chart? We see a market that there's nothing technically wrong with the weekly chart. From a weekly chart perspective, the market made an attempt to come down and run a test of its 20-week moving average, which also coincided with the vicinity of a breakup candle low. It bounced off of it and rallied all the way back near the highs. That's the way we have to look at the weekly chart, period, full stop. You look at each chart independent of one another. How about inside the numbers? Pre-market commentary, happy Friday. It's a wake-up, quieter kind of day. Not far from the flat line at the present time, or at that time it was, at zero dark 30. More rodeo action or a respite today? Well, it was certainly more rodeo action to answer the question. We'll circle back to stocks on the move after we run through the commentary. We've got an open mind and willing to participate on both sides of the tape. The awareness is two-sided this morning. We've got end of the week, which means the closing prices today are way more important than the daily day-to-day -day prints. We had that weekly 384 discussion already. Again, think about when this is written long before the market opens for business. We're getting in the mindset as we show up for game time in uniform, ready to go. Markets have a tendency to throw up a Hail Mary pass at the 11th hour to try and get to certain numbers. Is that what happened? Yes. How do I know that? 
because I've seen this over and over and over again. If you have an idea of what the numbers are and the setup is there and the setup was there in the afternoon as they push the market over a certain spot, you get over one spot, it opens the door for another. The flip side, again, this is the umpire thing, the flip side is who wants to hold into the weekend, aka traders have less of an appetite for risk after a shellacking. That was after Thursday shellacking. So let's see what we've got as the morning gets underway. First, at 8.30, again, pre-market, for now, instead of the term dead cat bounce, I use the term wounded cat bounce. It's just a little softer for the cat lovers out there. We've got the phony jobs number to whip the markets around. Let's say they continue to push higher this morning. Where would they be going? Well, getting above 378, and this is where you get above one spot, it opens the door for another. That will crack the door open for a run all the way up to 380.50 to 380.150 zone. How can they get so high? There's a void or vacuum that can produce a short squeeze. It would be a tall order, but if it looks like they're running, that's where the early prize would be. 8.30 this morning. The later prize would be an effort to get back to and over 384 by the close of the week. It's good to know this stuff early in the morning before it starts to take place. Why is that? Because when it starts to take place, you recognize what's happening and then you could take advantage of it without being surprised. Getting back below and closing candles below 375.28 would open the door for yesterday's lows or worse for the bulls. All right, let's get our faculties. We were just reading the 830 post they had the phony jobs number that comes out right around 8.30, a little bit after. And here it is. Where's 8.30 in the morning? So here's 8.30. And as soon as that phony jobs number came out, they whipped the market down. They reversed it back up to where? In the zone between 380.50 and 381.50, right into the opening bell. Now, they failed there, and that's a whole other story. But just think about that for a second. And I know it was pre-market, but let's just say you were trading in the pre-market for whatever the reason, you're trading futures, and you knew the numbers, and you saw them running. You knew where they were going. What does that do for you? Maybe you want to take a short up there, but maybe you're long riding the market up there, and you know where to exit the trade. How you doing? All right, let's see what else we have. We're moving along. By 8.50, I'm writing that the numbers aren't such a tall order anymore, since the phony jobs number, they have the goose the market operation underway. We said there was a vacuum. They turned the vacuum on. That was where the short squeeze took the market. See you later. Little tidbit about 380.57. It was the bottom of a shenanigans tail candle. And that's basically where the market ran up to in the pre-market. That was the 380.50 area, not for that reason. I had a suspicion that that general area, that price, that number would come into play, would be an important spot. I had a hunch. And when you look at the regular session activity, here's a 15-minute chart. Right at the vertical is Friday's activity, and you can see where the market opened up, fell away, and then it ran some tests of this general area before breaking out one more time on the last leg higher into the end of the day. So I think we could say that while maybe it wasn't 380.57, but certainly that general area did play a role in the day. We're moving along. By 9.07, pretty remarkable. We haven't even started the day yet, and they're doing the thing. So they already took one of my possible trades off the table. Of note, wide swings in both directions. Remember that. It's all part of the deal. So here's what happened. They opened the day 
380.59 high against 380.57 was a little bit of a bet that I said it would be important. Doesn't mean anything other than what it is. Had we known at the time, had I known at the time, I would have said short the market on the open and they're going to fall away from 380.57 and they collapsed all the way back down. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. You just can't do that right out of the gate. They goose the market right after the phony jobs number. They get up to the spot. You don't know that they're not going to get through or won't, will get through, whatever it is. Right at the opening bell, when the flood of volume comes in the market, anything can happen, certainly, at the opening bell. So shorting the market was really just a guess at the time, or even buying the market was a guess at the time, an equal guess nonetheless. I wouldn't even consider that a missed opportunity, because I'm never going to say short the market or buy the market on the bell. It's not going to happen. A little base hit right out of the chute on NCLH. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. We kind of know what happened. The market started falling away. The trade started working right out of the gate. So that was good. You want to finish the week on a positive note, regardless of whether you get or don't get a trade in the S&P 500. If you can pocket a few dollars or other currency on the stocks on the move, then all the better. So by 10.04, We're already in a know-when-to-fold-em kind of day, so I'm giving you a hint from Stocks on the Move. By the way, as the market was falling, you'll see the 950 post, 375.85 is also support. There was another support listed earlier, which was down here at 937. 376.71 is the gap left open from yesterday. If reached, should be a bounce. There generally is. Below that, we had 375.85, not that far away. It was kind of a safety net. Remember that 375.85, this is a five-minute chart now, that was listed as support at 950. Here's the 950 candle. Here's the candle ending 955. Here's the candle at 10 o'clock or ending 10 o'clock that came into 375.85, making a low of 375.79. And just within a few minutes later, 379.23. So traders that were interested in that trade down there could have taken any amount of profit they wanted before it reached the peak and came back down. And obviously, they're urged to take profit. Certainly, and the equivalent here is a 20-point S&P rally. It pays to know your numbers. So we're moving along once again. And here's where I urge you to pause the video, read the commentary, check the numbers against the chart. Go see what happened after the commentary was posted. After the market comes back down, you don't really know at that point in time whether they're going to break yesterday's lows or not. So there's some of the commentary there. It became a rodeo, and this is why it was a know-when-to-fold-em kind of day. You don't want to participate in a rodeo if you don't have to. You happen to be on the right side of a trade and get caught on the right side of a rodeo or half a rodeo, that's great. But you want to try and avoid the rodeo. And that'll pretty much take us into the end of the day. What I'll urge you to do is pause the video and go back and check the charts. And you'll see here 126 is when I'm signing off and telling you or telling members from inside the numbers that the prize is 384. When was 126? It was right around here, and the market was right around that 380.50 spot going back and forth. And then, even though it was some 40 points higher in the S&P, 
that was still going to be the objective all the way from zero dark 30. Stocks on the move. We'll take a look at the four issues that were on the board. CCL, SPCE, NCLH, GRWG. They all hit their targets. Let's pick apart a couple of charts. The first one we'll look at is CCL, and this is just the base hit right here out of the chute. You can see at 25.60, the high was 25.94. Now, traders that are programmed to take some profit at a minimum off at a base hit, if not all of it, that's obviously trader's choice. They get a base hit, comes down short of the second, then it gets dragged down with everything else. So when the market, the S&P 500 and all the other markets were getting dragged down earlier in the morning or earlier in the day, everything gets thrown out with the bathwater. We know about that. It's like a rip current or tidal wave. Everything just gets dragged down. But if for nothing else, you can see what happened by later in the day, 2560, they centered around it, they finished above it. It was in fact an important number. Virgin Galactic, SPCE, 2665. You can see what happened at 10 o'clock. The low was 2656. And then minutes later, the high was 27.69. So that's a little bit of a rocket ride for Virgin Galactic, pun intended. And when they hand you a dollar right out of the chute, you know what you do? You take it. Or some portion of a dollar on a $26 stock. You take it. NCLH, you got to go down to a three-minute chart to see this one. It was really quick. They did the minimum required base hit from this number. And here's down to a one-minute chart. You can see the base hit here. But that's not really what we're looking for. You never know which ones are going to give you the rocket rides, which ones are going to give you just the base hit and that's it. That's why you have to trade them as a process. You have to trade them mechanically. GRWG technically gave one trade off each level. So here's a low, and this is where the numbers work. You can just see it. The low is 36.26, and the high right away in the next candle, 37.79. That's a pretty good rip. $1.50 on a $36 stock in minutes, I'll say. Same thing happened off the second level, and then they got dragged down with everything else and then rallied into the close with everything else. What about Camp IWM? So they almost gave up the 50-period moving average on close. They made a new low, reversed the tape, and finished near the high. Pretty good looking setup for a rally. I want to point something out. As you know, the IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. So when was the high made? The high was made on the 10th of February. Why is that important? Because the high in the S&P 500 was made on the 16th of February. Again, it's leading indicator, which means that the IWM topped out before the S&P 500. Again, it's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It has nothing to do with whether or not we're gonna rally from here for two days, four days, five days, it doesn't matter. We treat each chart independent of one another. If I'm just looking at this chart and I have nothing else in my mind, no other biases about what the market's gonna do for all the reasons about cycles and all that other stuff, if I just put that aside and I say, looking at this chart, what do I see? I see a market that tested the 50 period moving average, spiked below it, ran a test in the vicinity of this pivot low, which is important, why? Because the market looked like it was gonna fall into the abyss here and was saved and it broke out to new highs. That has to be important. So they ran a test below the 50, around this pivot low, reversed the tape and finished near the highs. That in and of itself 
is bullish market behavior, period, full stop. Be the umpire calling balls and strikes. What about the weekly chart? What do we see on the weekly chart? Similar to the SPY weekly chart, we see a market that maybe ran a test of the last breakup candle low, but it hasn't really come into or even close to yet the 20-week moving average. So what's the likelihood that they don't come back to visit the 20-week moving average at some point? Well, there is no likelihood they will. But looking at this chart in and of itself, just analyzing what's on the page, you have to say there's nothing wrong from a technical perspective. It's in an uptrend. The trend is your friend, that whole story, until she dumps you, right? just in a weekly chart uptrend, period. However, the other side of that is markets don't do this. They don't run up like this without really a pause other than this one here. They don't do this and therefore they will revert back to a mean, wherever that mean is, somewhere in the vicinity of the breakout, these moving averages, all that stuff. That's a long way home. I'm not suggesting that the IWM is going there anytime soon. But what I am suggesting is, if I'm right, and the market does begin a meaningful correction, there is a lot of space to revert back to a mean. There's a lot of space where the real breakout occurred in the IWM. Just saying, it's an awareness today. What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? At the all-time highs, once again, just pennies away, stones throw away from the all-time highs. There's nothing wrong with this chart. The transports, again, second favorite market leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine, it's still saying there's nothing wrong with the market. However, there's other markets that say other stuff, but when we're looking at just the transports, independent of everything else, absolutely nothing wrong with this chart. It's in an uptrend. The trend is your friend. They tested the 20-period moving average, bounced off of it, back to the highs in an uptrend. Nothing wrong here. Nothing to see. Move it along. Now, the transports look totally different from the folks out in Silicon Valley. Now, I'm not sure how many people notice this, but the queues are already down, or from the high to Friday's low, we're down over 11%. That's a pretty good corrective move right there in just a few weeks. So here's food for thought. Even if we rally for a few days, does anybody think that the queues are going right back to their all-time highs anytime soon? And the answer is no. Markets go down, markets go up. They go down, they go up. Sometimes they go down farther, and sometimes they keep going up. But they go down and they go up. They go down and they go up. This is normal garden variety market behavior. They find lows, then they fail, they find highs, then they go higher. This is the way this stuff works. Remember, the market's job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. How many people were shorting the market on Friday that got a conveyor belt of pies in the face when they ripped the market up all day long? They were delivering pies by the pallet. Anything wrong with the XLF? Absolutely not. Do we really have anything to discuss other than the fact that they're still flirting with the highs. Does anything on this chart prevent us from saying they can make, again, new all-time highs? And the answer is no. It's in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until what? Until she throws you out. Mirror image. 
about Smash Mouth. Looks almost opposite of what we just saw in the XLF, but it looks somewhat similar to the Qs. The tech sector is leading the market lower. It's leading the distribution of stock from institutions. That's what's going on. And it goes back to shoving 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. What happens when everybody owns the same stuff is the same stuff comes down hard and fast. And when that happens and the same stuff happens to make up a large portion of the SMH or a large portion of the Qs, what happens is the stuff accelerates on the downside. This is the way it works. There's always a sector or a series of sectors that gets crushed first. And if it truly is a correction, everything gets crushed. When these things begin, they get crushed by appointment. The tech sector was the first one with an appointment. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're gonna pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.